Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Through the mud and the beard and the blood and the cheers, I see champions come and go. So if you got the guts, mister, if you got the balls, you think it's your time to step to the line and bring on your Hello and welcome bring to on your They Might Be Mariners, Lookout Landing's Prospects focused podcast. I am your host, John Troopin, uh, joined today by both of my favorite co-hosts here at TMBM Industries. We have Joe Doyle, staff writer at Lookout Landing. Joe, how's it hanging for you today? Good, man. How are you doing? Toasty, but holding it together. And uh, joining us from uh, the the aviary uh, that is her home in West Seattle, uh, we have managing editor Kate Prucer. Kate, what's the word on the uh, non-Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, yes, and I have a nest of little baby Blue Jays right outside my window. So if you hear shrieking, <clears throat> that is not me. <laughs> bemoaning the loss of baseball this time uh, i mean somebody somebody has gotten too close to the little baby birds that are just kind of sitting on the ground that's apparently what blue jays do they like fall out of the nest and just sit there and then their parents dive bomb anyone who gets too close to them so apologies <laughs> in advance if uh, if any fools should m- make that maneuver during our recording 
I was going to say, that's, that's sort of something about that of like the Biggio and Guerrero families and the Michette <laughs> families right, exactly. just very aggressively defending their kin. Um, Kate, you actually, you, you mentioned that and I know we're going to, we're going to try and uh, suss out based on the current information we've got on what the season might look like, particularly for um, the minor leagues, but also how the sort of current proposals for something looking like a 30, 30 player active roster and a 20 player taxi squad might look like for the Mariners in particular, who that might most impact, who might be, um, you know, well suited to that sort of arrangement. But, um, Kate, before that, I, I would actually, we, we talked a, a little bit about this, uh, over the weekend, but we're, we're recording this the Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend, and I, I know you mentioned just how this weekend the lack of MLB and the, the sort of lack of baseball with, with the organizations and the players we're most familiar with really sort of hit you. Um, you know, what, what, what sort of brought it out this weekend most of all? Oh, I don't know. I think it was just that, like, this is the point of the year where it feels like summer starts, right? Memorial Day. And I usually don't have anything really big to do. I don't have a big family and we don't really do anything. Um, So I I don't really ever have anything to do on Memorial Day, which sounds a little sad, but it is true. Um, So for the whole time I've been working at Lookout Landing when I was a writer to being the editor um memorial day has been my beat like i i cover the memorial day games because i don't have anything else to do um while everyone else is off barbecuing and and doing things out and whatnot and you know baseball's always been there for me it's i'm like i'm working but you guys are working too so we are all in this together um it's just been a comfort to me and not having it this year Made the weekend feel especially long, especially empty. I was looking at my phone and looking at all these pictures of people in, like, Lake of the Ozarks just standing shoulder to shoulder, completely violating social distancing rules while I was, like, sitting at home with a blanket around my shoulders alone. Like, it really sucked. It really, it just really hit me this weekend. I was, I was, this was the worst of, um, of a not very fun time. Uh, I, I, it was, it was very vivid. Like every, every Memorial Day weekend was like the start of playing baseball season. Like for, for like, I think many, if not most, uh, like summer leagues in, in at least during when I was growing up. And so like, there'd be a big tournament over Memorial Day weekend and then, uh, you'd, you'd go. And, and so it was just, it was particularly jarring this weekend to sort of have, you know, I mean, this is a lower on the, the rankings of necessarily major issues, but like, you know, it, it was really jarring to not have that constant there. Um, and, and definitely made me particularly attuned to the discussions that are ongoing as we record this on Tuesday uh, to potentially get uh, baseball happening again have it going um in whatever shape or form it may have uh this year in the u.s and canada um 
Can't, for, can't forget after, after an intro, a Blue Jays intro. We can't forget <laughs> we our We already talked friend. about the Blue Jays. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just to, to catch folks up on, on the proposal, uh, you know, again, this may change, but just going off of what's been trickling out from MLB itself, from the Players Association, and from reports, and by reports I mean Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal, um, it is essentially looking like something resembling 82 games for the for the big leagues, um, minor league baseball likely happening either in a very limited capacity or pretty much being operated out of each team's like spring training facilities in Arizona and Florida, um, and then potentially by the end of the year. Uh, there would be some sort of fall league equivalent, Arizona fall league equivalent, or specifically the Arizona fall league, but um, it may be happening in in a altered capacity since teams are expected to have a taxi squad and have expanded rosters to help manage um, the sort of disruption of the season and and try and mitigate injuries to some degree. Um, So what that looks like at the big league level would be 30 team or 30 player active rosters with a 20 uh, team, uh, 20 player uh, taxi squad, excuse me. Um, And for the Mariners, obviously the, the actual competitiveness of the 2020 season was a little bit more dubious, but are there particular players for you guys that that when you when you think of either a season without consistent uh, in game competition or or only necessarily getting um, inner squad competition are are there guys who you think might really miss out or be missing out or or, or lose out on um, on time that could be extremely important development right now. So uh, for me, there's a few, and I think most of them <clears throat> fall into the bucket of older prospects or guys that are, you know, maybe a little bit more established fighting for playing time, and they have prospects on their heels. Um, guys like Jake Fraley come to mind, someone that has, you know, battled his way through a farm system and finally kind of got his break last year, got some playing time, and it did not go well. Um, But he's 26 now, and he profiles as a corner outfielder, I think. Um, And with guys like... Spell spell in center, but... Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, With guys like Jared Kelnick on the way and guys like Julio Rodriguez, you know, maybe a year and a half out. Um, This is his opportunity. I think Braden Bishop was in a very similar situation um, last year when he got hurt and the year before that when he got hurt. You know, he's he's 27 now, 27, I think. So there's a finite amount of time that these guys have to, to prove themselves and to prove their worth and once you start losing those big league at bats and your player development time gets stunted, especially at that age, um, it's kind of it's kind of the turning point in someone's someone's career. So, I would say Fraley is one. The other one, there's actually two. I, I want to point out two other guys. Uh, Kyle Lewis, I think, is one that needs to be brought up because 
you're talking about a guy that's already missed so much time in his career with injuries that I think consistent playing time and consistent at bats and just you know getting re-locked in um, he has a lot to gain by by seeing you know 400 at bats in a season um, so he would be one that I would point out and really this year was going to be the year that Kyle probably determines if he is a big league regular in the outfield or if he has you know, a fourth outfielder DH profile type of role in him. So Kyle, Kyle Lewis would be the other one. And then the, the last one that I want to point out is Taiwan Walker. Um, you're talking about a guy in Walker who's already missed two years with arm injuries. He's getting up there a little bit. I think he's 29 now, maybe 30. And this was going to be his opportunity to restate his claim at a rotation spot um, rebuild his value. His velocity was reportedly up. Um, so I think a lost year for, for Taiwan Walker would certainly hurt his stock moving into the free agent pool this off season because he's going to be a free agent again. You know, it was just a one year deal. Um, so I think those three are the ones that immediately come to mind. Uh, and that is especially true when you have such a young organization, such a young farm system that's on the come up. The Mariners as a whole are not as hurt by the layoff as some of the other teams. I'm thinking specifically of Oakland, who are closing in on, you know, basically losing a year of their controllable stars with not a lot of um, team capital where they can afford to extend these players. So rough for them, rough for the Indians, probably losing out on um, Lindor. Um, the Mariners aren't quite in that position, but there are individual guys who are going to get damaged by this only because there are reinforcements. I mean, it doesn't damage the club long-term. I mean, at best, you know, Carl Edwards is maybe one, another one that comes to mind as a guy who's hoping for a rebuilding year, but those are kind of, that's not the, um, big story. The big story is mostly like, I think it's good for guys like Mitch Hanager, who gets another, gets more downtime to rehab. Uh, Austin Adams, who's already throwing, um, gets a little more time to rehab. So with those guys, I think they, they benefit. There are some guys, so it weighs out a little, but in, in general, the Mariners are not in that rough of a place. Um, and then, of course, we have the whole AL West firing their entire scouting department. So, uh, I mean, really, if anything, the Mariners <laughs> might come out of this better. Yeah, I, you know, who knows how this plays out as, as things stretch on. Obviously, it was, it was frustrating and, and for for people in the Mariners front office some of whom we we know personally some of whom we just know of you know it 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 is challenging to see oh there have been pay cuts and and whatnot Mm -hmm. but um at least thus far there have not been furloughs um whereas looking at the angels as as Kate referenced and the A's who have absolutely 
the Angels preemptively gutting their scouting and player dev. Um, or I guess just, just their, their scouting. scouting yeah. Oakland but, um, gutting scouting and player dev Oakland. post the yeah. draft. Yeah. Post draft. And the Angels doing it before the draft, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's not exactly the way you would like to get ahead um in, and then in the astros have already uh, gutted their scouting staff so i yeah. mean really yeah. We yeah. Lo- we're looking at the mariners and the rangers as and we haven't heard about it who knows what's going on i know that texas is one of the organizations that has um at some of the scouting events i've been to they're very active in especially looking they want to um draw women into scouting and diversify their scouting department. So the guy who is in charge there, what's his name? Ross. I have it written down somewhere. Wasn't it Ross Atkins? No, I can look it up. Um, He is actually a former, he was with the Mariners for a long time um, and got his job by responding to like a post on open office, like some old school, like, billboard online billboard thing essentially where they were so flooded with applications that they had to shut it down like five minutes after posting and he was like i have no idea how i got through um ross fenster maker that's it yep thank you um nice. that is unequivocally not, <laughs> yeah, no. That's not a- <laughs> i didn't i didn't know what it was i knew it wasn't atkins <laughs> Uh, and I didn't want to guess and guess wrong, but um, yeah, there. I I've been impressed with what Texas is doing, and actually, Oakland just hired um, Lexi Gonzalez, who is a pretty mm. well known player. In um, she was in uh, where did she go to college? She was at one of the big college softball programs in I can't remember if it was UCLA or USC or what, but. Uh, her brother plays at Vanderbilt. Is actually uh, draft eligible this year. Nick Gonzalez. Nick Gonzalez. I want to say it's the other Nick Gonzalez. No, JJ. Maybe JJ. Um, but anyway, it was really exciting to see her get hired. They were at a lot of the diversity outreach stuff. So it's really disappointing. Oakland is more disappointing to me to, because they were one of the organizations that was really trying to make a point of diversifying scouting hiring women and um now that that's all so i'm i am personally a little gutted about the the cuts to scouting beyond just like what it means for the sport overall um because that was an area where obviously women are severely underrepresented and now there's it was already hard to get a foot in the door and now i think it it's basically impossible you know really quick as a as a segue um, I wonder if this situation, this global situation, forces Matt Chapman out of Oakland. I hadn't thought about that, but um, asking Oakland to all of a sudden, you know, shed their previous ways and um, re-sign a, you know, a superstar to a twenty-eight, thirty million dollar a year deal, that seems far more unlikely than it did, you know. A year ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely on the money. Like, you know, as, as Kate said, this was sort of their moment anyway as a, as a team that was not necessarily, you know, a team that basically was going to have to decide, do we want to sign Marcus Semien or Matt Chapman or Matt Olson? 
you know, like it was probably right. not going Which, to be. Which, let's face it, that's a obvi- that's a very easy decision. I feel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but very... but I think it would be like, do we pay this much for Marcus Semien, or do we pay this much for Matt Olson, or do we pay this much yeah. for Matt Chapman? Right. You know, and and it may be none of those now. Well, yeah. It may even be we have to trade these guys before. Well, I mean, it may be a Josh Donaldson situation yeah. where and you would think so, and. You know, I'll give Oakland credit. There's, you know, maybe a third of the league can actually afford Olsen, Simeon, and Chapman together. I mean, it's not just an Oakland thing. That's, you know, that's $100 million right there. So it's it's not like most teams could afford all three. But when you're talking about Oakland, um, maybe they can afford one. And if, they're, if they do things the right way, it obviously should be Matt Chapman. But they're not going to even get Simeon's you know swan song year he's oh there's no way they're gonna bring him back i wouldn't think he's gonna walk after this and maybe gutting the scouting department is um a precursor to trying to set up a chapman deal trying to clear some organizational money at least to pay him but it seems like cutting off your nose to spite your face or Robbing Peter, no, robbing Peter to pay Paul is the cliche I want there. Well, that, they're not even paying Paul. They're cutting three quarters of the player development <laughs> robbing staff. Peter to argue, robbing Peter to argue they do not have to pay Paul from the government. <laughs> yeah. That's right. For their stadium. They're just robbing rent. everyone to pay the bookie. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I, I mean, it's it's obviously all speculative, but like, they have really had about as much success in in this in the past decade as you could ask for considering how little they're willing to spend on their team um but there is a breaking point for that and particularly if if they just can't put money you know if they just can't spend money on their staff to scout which means they can't spend money to scout for the draft, which means they can't draft as well, and they can't scout other teams as well. So they can't necessarily get as good a value when they look to trade their current players. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's some long-lasting ramifications. Um, Well, I mean, Oakland, like you said, it's all speculative, but uh, Oakland hasn't been able to afford a renovation of their bathrooms for 15 years yeah. Yeah. so asking them to pony up 50 million dollars a year for players especially when they're cutting their scouting and they're cutting their player development and i would assume they're cutting baseball ops and you know that listen you don't want to assume you don't want to presume or anything but i think it's very very easy to see a path here where oakland sees a a, a decade a decade of downtrodden baseball which i'll come out you know i'll say this on record i think oakland is quietly one of the better baseball towns in the entire country i think they do a pretty good job with uh game day you know culture and environment they are they're a fun fan base and the fact that they haven't been able to throw together a, a stadium throw together a you know just any sort of financial plan for stability for the future before all of this happened is just it's a shame because you know that the Oakland Coliseum is now it's now set in stone 
for what it is going to be for at least the next five years, you'd think. There's no way that they're going to pour money into it now. Um, and I think the team's going to have to follow suit, and that sucks for the A's. It does. I thought that they had a... Regardless of them being a division rival. I thought they had a um, a proposal for a new stadium that was... They had a proposal. They did. I don't know that there's any way they can, you know, that like how they... It seems unlikely they'll be able to get public right. funding yeah. considering... Yeah, that was. That everything I was, else would be. I was definitely presuming that you know massive tax hikes and city support for things like entertainment are going to be on the back burner for the foreseeable future. I just wonder if this pushes Oakland to be one of the. If we're looking at um, bringing teams into the league, if that's a team that could maybe be reassigned, um, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, but like there are towns that really want baseball out there. There are towns that are going to be hurting because their minor league team that was their only team is going to get cut. So yeah, I, I mean that doesn't what, happen. What I will say is one, I hope that doesn't happen, and two, I think a possibly likelier outcome, not necessarily likelier, but but a very plausible outcome in addition to that would be expansion instead of relocation. Um, you know, it's been it is this is the longest stretch that the league has gone without expansion um, since the uh, since since at least the Mariners and and uh, uh, Blue Jays were added to the league. I mean, it, it has been uh, over over 20 years and the you know, a, a number of the major issues in the league right now that that are are flaring up are somewhat you know could be somewhat in, addressed by expansion by adding, you know, fifty two more positions of, oh, there are a ton of like, okay but not great players who can't get jobs because there are a ton of those guys around. Like, okay, you've suddenly added a bunch more positions. Now there's, you know, there's a market for competent, if not great players. You know, you add a couple markets where there are teams, you know, you, you, maybe it's not massive in, in terms of the financial growth, but it also like it helps can continue growing the game. And you also um, offer, you know, that's a couple more minor league uh, affiliate groups that can stick around um, mm-hmm. or, or be, be rejuvenated. Um, so I think that's, I, that's both something that's a bit of a hobby horse, but I, but I think that that's, I mean, that's how the league has addressed, um, financial issues in the past. Yeah. I just, I don't, that was, I think with the pandemic and with kind of the general move towards contraction that's happening in baseball, I see it a lot likelier that we see things whittled down as much as they can be. And if you can't, produce a successful franchise if you can't make money for the owners if you can't um you know be i i just think that the the lens of scrutiny is going to be much more intense over the next couple years oakland is in a a favorable place in that they have uh luzardo coming up they have what's his bucket the other pitcher yeah so they've got some talent on the right they're gonna be have some young talented guys but also those are yeah yeah they've got some some pro this last wave of prospects i don't know if they're letting go of pd people 
if they're not investing heavily in the draft, they have the Kyler Murray situation that, um, you know, essentially means they're missing a first round pick from their, from their fold. They're not spending a lot internationally. I just, they'll limp along for a while and maybe look good because of the, that wave of prospects, but things are going to get, and maybe financially everything will be recovered and they'll have a stadium deal in place by the time that would really hurt. But I would say that they're they're on the they're on a razor's edge. I mean, it really was lined up for them that this was gonna be the year if it was gonna be a year. And and I I am I, I think those guys that you mentioned, Lizardo Puck and um you know, Murphy to a lesser extent, you know, those are useful players, but I don't know that it's you know, it, it has to come together for them. And in the last couple of years, in a sense, it really has yeah. come together for them extraordinarily. Like they had incredible bullpens and uh, won 97 games two years in a row. In a sense, that's coming together. In another sense, it's not coming together because they didn't win the division either of those times. But, um, you know, it, it, it's which is it's a reminder really of how rough. hard it is to win in baseball, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, they've done yeah. extraordinary things against kind of extraordinary odds, I think, but they have, and it's hard to hang your entire franchise future on two pitchers, both of whom have had injuries. Well, we we've we've, <laughs> I I was curious to. Uh, to talk about some of the guys in, in the Mariners system, um, you know, considering who, who might be most heavily impacted. Um, but I, I think it's good to, good noting who also might be most heavily impacted elsewhere. Um, are there guys who you think in the Mariners organization um, are, are sort of more well-suited to be all right um you know w- with with this circumstance um you know there are more uh you know the, the mariners have some guys who obviously like really needed to play this year and i don't think there's anyone who it's like oh they didn't need to play but like who who are if any some guys who you think could could weather some time off like this and and you wouldn't be too worried about their development being impacted um, so I think it's, again, you know, it just happens to be guys on either fringy side of the chopping block, right? Um, so I look at the roster and someone like Luis Liberato just comes to mind because he's a guy that is stuck behind a glut of incredibly talented outfielders and he kind of gets forgotten. Um, but with this current situation I don't think it's totally unforeseeable that Luis Liberato is on the pack uh, the, the taxi squad and suddenly gets big league eyes on him um, and if you know if he goes out and he happens to impress then um, you look at 2021 and maybe he's a fourth outfield type and you know maybe maybe he develops trade value or maybe someone else develops trade value and all of a sudden he slots in as a fourth outfielder so um jose marmaleos is another guy really probably was a triple a player this year but he had a big spring he opened up a lot of eyes and he's almost certainly you'd think going to be on 
the taxi squad, if not the 30-man roster. So he's a guy that has impressed all through the minors throughout his entire career, and now he might actually get a shot to play, albeit not on a 40-man roster, big league ball in front of the big league manager, in front of the general manager. And, you know, those guys that are on the other side of that, you know, dotted line where they finally get a chance that they might not would have otherwise, I think those are the ones that really have the biggest benefit as they're going to get a shot that they might not have ever gotten. Yeah, I would say um, similarly to Liberato, maybe someone like Eric Falia, who has had a really difficult road in his career, self-inflicted difficulties, to be honest, but um, who's going to... any? So in answering this question, I would say... Who would a super extended spring training benefit, right? And a super extended spring training where you're having guys who wouldn't normally get, like Joe said, big league looks, uh, attention. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of those kind of fringy quad A, uh, don't really have a defensive home, but can really hit guys. So, um I would say whoever whoever jumps to mind when you think of that, for me, it's definitely Philia. I think it's a – I suppose I don't know quite how much. I, I'm certain it's a, a benefit to some degree. It's definitely a benefit for the Mariners. But Johan Ramirez, who the Mariners took in the Rule 5 draft. Good one. Um, you know, this unbelievably talented, big uh, right-handed pitcher who, you know – coin flip on if it's a strikeout or a walk but those are pretty much the only outcomes you're going to get and still only 25 like better stuff than pretty much everyone in the system just about um but you know i mean suddenly it is incredibly easy for seattle to keep him on the uh, active roster which would be the requirement to keep him a rule five guy and um I you know depends on whether they change that to mean okay they have to be on the taxi squad or the active roster proper but regardless I mean you know that makes it extremely easy to keep a guy like that around and then continue working continue doing development like that um, another guy we talked about a little bit in before before we started the show uh, Mitch Haniger honestly is is a uh, a reasonable beneficiary of this having had a, a fair amount of time that would have been wiped away with injury uh, instead you know he might even have a chance to return this season obviously had uh, a surgery in february but still could either make it back or not nearly be as impacted um by having missed a weird shortened season uh, both in terms of his own performance and development and also in terms of uh, you know, his his arbitration cases down the road, which is undoubtedly uh, in on his mind as well. Um, I, I think Marmalejos and Felia are, are great fits there as well because, as you said, they're definitely uh, taxi squad type guys. Um, and... I was curious um, if you if you guys in in going through this if there were specific people you thought um, might might have a chance to to 
break into the big leagues this year uh, that that wouldn't otherwise. Uh, Marmalejos and Felia, uh Liberato, obviously, are those sorts of guys. Are, are there pitchers in that that sort of might fill out that roster if if you've got thirty spots you might bring on um, or or might get an extended look. Maybe some guys that were working in spring training that you thought, oh well, you know, with with a little bit more space they might get a chance. Well, I know one of Kate's favorite arms, <clears throat> and he's not listed in some of our pre-pod notes, but a guy like Scott Boches, you could see him getting a call and you know maybe maybe getting some innings late in games um but outside of the 40-man roster that you know haven't already made their debuts um you're going to be looking at guys like Darren McCacken or um I think Ray Kerr would be a really exciting one even though I don't think he's pitched above Modesto um he yeah he's he's older I think he's 24 or 25 and He's got the velocity on his fastball already and a developing slider. So um, I think there's definitely some relief profiles that could fit with getting some innings. My question will be, with with this taxi squad, how malleable is it? Because if you're given 30 roster spots at the beginning of the year and 20 taxi squad spots, how will that work with, with an IL? It, I mean, if a guy goes on the IL, let's say... Let's say uh, uh, Nick Margevichis goes on. He's on the 40-man. Let's say he goes on um, the IL, but he was on the taxi squad. Are you allowed to then add a, you know, a Ray Kerr or a Diasen Arias? Are, are you allowed to bring on someone else to fill that non-40 spot and get innings? Because I think uh, once you get into August and September and, you know, maybe even early October with however far they're having to push out, the big league season, um, the, there's going to be injuries, especially with the workload being as condensed as it is. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see some of those low minors guys just get a taste of it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It's a, uh, it's particularly tricky because you there are guys there who you want to get work in addition to wanting to you know give them an opportunity to see some high level uh, opponents. Um, you know, but but does the taxi squad preclude them from playing, you know, in in inner squad games or things like that? You know, if you have to have them on hand, you know, can you keep those pitchers fresh? Can you get, you know, you're probably not going to start Donnie Walton all that often. You're probably not going to start, um, you know, I mean, even Jared Kelnick would most likely be a guy who you'd want on your taxi squad there, but like. You know, you you can you get those guys, particularly the position players. Can you get them enough live work to to keep them fresh and to keep them developing uh, against a competition level that is commensurate? You know, if you have all your mm-hmm. best pitchers actively having to cycle through, you know, you're not necessarily you know, you can't sort of hold Logan Gilbert out and have him pitch against Jared Kelnick. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need Logan Gilbert or, you know, LJ Newsome or, you know, Anthony Mashevitz, uh to be available for, for the big league club to complete their game. So, right. uh, you know, I think that's a real challenge. I think one thing also that hasn't really been laid out in the proposal, and we won't know about this 
until everything is probably signed because it's so granular. What a luxury it will be for the Mariners and every team, for that matter, to potentially have a guy like Jared Kelnick or Logan Gilbert or any of their prospects get big league innings, big league at-bats, without the possible ramification of, one, a, a roster crunch. That That is almost set in stone. They won't have to be added to a 40-man roster. But two, uh, this will probably be negotiated out, but the possibility of these guys getting time and not accruing any service time, that would be a, a huge benefit uh, for long-term you know, controllability. That being said, if I'm the MLBPA, I'm probably negotiating a way that if a Jared Kelnick gets service time or gets an at-bat, he's accruing service time without joining the 40-man because that wouldn't be fair at all for the prospects. Right. I mean, it, it would just be, particularly for, you know, for, for position players certainly, but particularly for pitchers who are really, really, you know, risking themselves. Um, you know, I mean, you could, I guess, make the case of like, well, that's what they're doing in the minors anyway. But at the same time, like, it matters much more. You know, they're putting, and and it would be complex for, okay, how do you determine arbitration? Do you count these stats when they weren't getting service time? You know, all, all these things, which are little minutiae. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is really unprecedented stuff. Kate, were you, were you about to say something? I heard the click. No. I was, nah. Nothing to nah. add. Nothing to add. <laughs> you know, and that, I just want to hit on that last point, John. I think um, arbitration hearings. So prior to even the arbitration hearings taking place, I think with the financial crunch in big league baseball, um, players that are in their arbitration periods and organizations coming together and agreeing on a salary for the following year is probably going to be less so than it has been in the past. And I think a lot more cases will go to an arbiter. Um, And when those cases go to an arbiter, it'll be fascinating to see how players and agents, even though we don't get a good look into how this entire process, you know, takes place publicly, it'll be interesting to see how they position themselves as, you know, if a guy goes out over the course of 80 80 games and hits 28 home runs. I mean, just absolutely hits the crap out of the ball. Um, can you take that to an arbiter and say, you know, this is a 56 home run client? You know, you know because prorating that, how, how, that's going to be ugly. I, there, there's going to be precedents that are stamped. It's, it's going to be this whole thing, this whole pandemic is going to we're going to feel the effects of this for years four or five years just in cba restructurings and precedents being set and you know the draft obviously is going to be um up in the air and mm-hmm. it's going to be wild and you know let me add one more thing um and i, I know i'm getting a little heavy-winded but <laughs> some of these draft picks are also going to play this year you know max meyer might play yeah if he gets picked up by if he gets picked by the angels he sure will yeah yeah Yeah. if he if he gets picked by a competing team he's going to get innings at a big league level i mean clayton beater i'm not going to go into all these names but um you might see guys not even get any minor league innings before they before they debut it's going to be uh who's the one at dallas baptist burl caraway the reliever, the straight yeah. up reliever. Mm-hmm. Lefty, right? I think yep. I, if I had to guess on a 
prospect from the 2020 draft who might actually play in 2020. I don't, I think it's, it would be insane even for the Angels to throw Max Meyer out there. Although, I mean, who knows, but I was, I thought that they rushed canning. So, I I mean, I'm more pro to. In fairness, it's worked out perfectly. (laughs) So you've clearly been proven wrong. Oh, absolutely. Um, Meyer would probably be like, he'd probably be a closer though. I doubt he'd get any more than like 25 pitches in an outing. Yeah. I mean, I would think who knows. And I'm sure it is possible, but I would say if I, if I had to guess, then I would think maybe someone like Caraway, who's a reliever only, you know, he's basically is what he is going to be. He doesn't need that much PD, which I mean, if he went to Oakland, he's not going to get anyway. So (laughs) I would be curious. I don't know if I, I, I certainly haven't read it anywhere, but I wonder if uh, anyone has asked Marco Gonzalez about his sort of rush experience to the majors where he threw like five innings in the playoffs in 2014 after being drafted in 2013. Um, like he pitched in the NLDS and the NLCS. Right. And Mike um, Leake too. And not badly. Either. Mike yeah, Mike Leake as well. I think he only threw seven minor league innings. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, it used to be somewhat more common, and obviously it's inadvisable typically both from a developmental standpoint and from a player uh, contract control standpoint, which unfortunately holds a lot of these things back. But, I mean, it really would make sense for – I mean, even if it's like the Blue Jays, depending on who they would take, you know, that's a team that certainly wouldn't consider itself ready. But like in a shortened season, you've got, you know, a whole batch of young guys you want to be playing together. That would be really interesting to see, you know, if they took even someone like Emerson Hancock or, or something like that. It would be it'd be really fascinating to see. I do wonder if that will affect anyone's draft strategy at all for a I mean, obviously, the old adage is you don't draft for need, et cetera, et cetera. But I do wonder if there are teams that are kind of on the precipice who are going to be looking at the fact that they could get a guy a lot of big league exposure this year and maybe have him ready to go full time for next year. I mean, Oakland is Oakland is the ultimate outlier here because not only are they on the precipice, this this is, you know, there's a good chance this is their last year of being truly one of the elite teams in the American League, if Simeon walks, um, they might not be able to spend a quarter of their bonus pool. They might be instructed to spend, you know, none of it. So if you're Oakland, do you go out and get a Burl Caraway? Or do you, you know, do everything in your power to try and sustain some success and, you know, I don't know, take like a Casey Martin or a Nick Lofton or someone like that that will control or that will be more valuable to the organization down the road. Um, so, yeah, it, it, Cleveland is another one. that They're losing a bunch of pitchers, too. Um, or I guess they already lost Kluber, but they're losing Lindor. So do they go that route? I mean, um, there's a lot of weird, just unprecedented things at work in this draft that are going to be interesting to watch. I'm really excited for the draft, y'all. I, I know we've talked a lot. We've done a lot of draft talk, and we will continue to do that. And I, part of the reason I wanted to focus a little more on the system itself this week was because I know, you know, it, it, we're, we've been draft heavy here. But I mean, it really is 
the it's gonna be the first sort of event of the season, and it's going to be. It's going to be a big deal this year because yeah. there is nothing to compete with it. Normally, the draft happens. It's kind of buried. It's on a Monday, and it's then Tuesday, Wednesday. Those aren't even televised. Like, it's long. Um, there's other baseball going on. There are other storylines to follow. There's a ton of other stuff. But, I mean, and if MLB is smart, they will really capitalize on making the draft as much as of an event as they can with what's going on. Um, obviously, you know, you can't, I mean, I'm hoping that they've been taking some cues out of the NFL's playbook because that was an insanely watched draft. I, I mean, t so many eyeballs on that. This is really a baseball's chance to have a moment and really introduce these guys. And I haven't been really watching much MLB network, but I hope that they're doing a lot of build up to this because this is really an opportunity. However, baseball has kind of a history of, um, you know, getting served up a nice ball on a tee. Harold on it. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> uh, putting it in an ice cream cup. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Is um, I, I think MLB Network is owned by ESPN, but uh, in talking to a lot of the different players involved in this draft it sounds like there is the possibility that espn the flagship might actually pick up the draft on june 10th um which would be a huge coup for major league baseball and amateur baseball and minor league baseball and everyone in between so it'd be interesting if they move that out of mlb network and put it on the flagship it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I, uh, I have actually had that exact thought because I, I think it would be fabulous. I mean, MLB Network is fine. Um, and ESPN is certainly not flawless. But the visibility that yeah. you can get and and just like and I mean, not that everybody excitement. has you know, mlb network like a lot no of i don't have access to watching mlb no. network i don't have a tv i can watch espn i cannot watch yeah, mlb network exactly. like yeah uh, i mean you know the espn had what well, is it it was the nfl draft they had the wnba draft um and they've had like one other sort of sporting event of some sort and they have had the KBO games and it's been like well I, I don't know that it would be I would say it was record viewing for the KBO but like record viewership for the WNBA record viewership for the NFL you know the the last dance I mean this is like 
there are so many things that MLB is just shitting the bed <laughs> on in terms of marketing PR and, their product. And marketing the product and like just engendering goodwill yeah. from new potential new fans and longtime fans. Like I am really like I really, really miss baseball and also like everything about this has sucked. Like it, it has felt terrible and not made me excited about the game, but like an opportunity to showcase okay, draft day, this is the guy, like these are these guys will tell you the tragic, like heartbreaking <laughs> story about like the, the wild ass stuff they were doing for the NFL. You know, you got like a few weeks, whip up some nonsense about <laughs> some Austin nonsense. Martin, his, his, you know, the childhood fish that he lost or something. <laughs> I mean, like, it just, or don't do it, that. It is don't such, do that. But like, whip up some not some fun. Whip up some fun <laughs> nonsense anyway. You know, no, like, absolutely. absolutely. Send a camera to his house. Have him GoPro himself around. Do like five questions with the guys where they talk about their favorite food. Have Garrett Mitchell talk about his pesto recipe. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> baseball players are notoriously yeah. boring and not as exciting as football players in any. They do not have the personality football players tend to have because they are uh, largely often baseball robots who wake up, uh, go to school, hit in the cages for several hours, come home and go to bed. So it's a little harder, but you have so much time. Figure something out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's some cool there's some there's some cool guys in this in this draft. There's a lot of guys who who if things go right could be notable for a long time in the league um so that's uh that's very exciting joe it sounds like you have some some uh some deets vis-a-vis espn's involvement (laughs) i I don't know if it's i don't know if this is breaking news or if this is just coming to our attention but uh mlb network is going to run their programming as uh, previously scheduled but ESPN is also going to be running a full day programming slate for the MLB draft both for day one and for day two so it sounds like they're really going to lean in on the MLB draft as present day coverage um, is hard to come by excellent well and part of that I mean personally I, I just like the idea of like Let's have other people care about this thing that I really care about. You know, I mean that that is so at at its root, in a sense, a big part of what what I like about this thing, is is that there can be people interested and engaged and and debating and and all that stuff. And like that has its own foibles, but like that is what makes being a sports fan and and following and covering sports a lot of fun. Is when you have people. When that's something that people care about a lot and can can go back and forth about, and not all the things that we're having to do that about right now. Totally. Um, well, I think uh, I think we can call it there. Um, I I think that uh, in the next couple weeks we're going to do. Um, uh, continued sort of focus on the draft um what form that will take we we will see obviously we're going to have some stuff up on the site um we put our mock draft out last week which if you missed that coming from a thoroughly unbiased perspective go listen to that that was that was that was a good one um i think you'll enjoy it and you can read 
the companion article with all our picks uh, up there. We're going to have a full staff-wide uh, mock draft up on the site, um, and Joe will, uh, approaching draft day itself on June 10th, uh, a little bit before that, should have a uh, mock coming uh, that will be be leaning on some of the more specific info that uh, he's he's digging up um, from from talking to folks around around the game. Uh, so a lot of different perspectives. We'll we'll probably have a few more draft profiles um, before then. So just a, a lot of stuff for you guys to to read, and and hopefully we'll have some clarity about where and when and how people will be playing uh, playing baseball here. In, uh, in the next we've few still weeks. got uh the july 2nd signings i don't know what is yes. going to happen with those but we definitely have the mariners linked to at least one maybe more than one really interesting uh, we got we've got at least from the latest baseball america um write-up of their top 40 uh, they are tied to starling aguilar we've known about for a uh, while starlin sorry starlin, starlin. aguilar uh, who, yes, we've known about for a while. Um, he is a uh, third baseman. likely third baseman. Baby yeah. Devers um, was trained yes. by, sadly, Rudy Santin, who has passed away recently, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of a legendary trainer in the Dominican, mm-hmm. um, and was given this nickname, Baby Devers. So yeah. That's pretty it's, exciting. It really, really nice swing. Um, I like him. I'm, I'm quite interested in then. Uh, I believe this essentially was came out today, but uh, their 32nd ranked guy as well uh, is a Venezuelan outfielder named Gabriel Gonzalez, um, who is uh, slender center fielder, outfielder, um, good sort of swing profile or swing plane, swing profile. Um, so a uh, lot to like there. Uh, you know, again, though. You know, a kid who was born in April of 2004. Stop! So it'll be a while. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, be a while. That sound uh, you hear is me crumbling into dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll see Gabriel in September, right? Yeah, yeah, another option. Oh, my God. Um, so, so, yeah. So, we'll we'll look forward to covering all, all these things and more for you guys. Um, but thank you, Kate. Thank you, Joe. Uh, for for taking some time today, uh, I am going to go dunk my face <laughs> into the ice uh, bucket in the freezer. I'm going to go it's lie down and contemplate with... my own mortality. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Something between those two options. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Split the difference. I'm going to go take a half-ass nap. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Thank you all for listening.